Hello and welcome to Season 4, Episode 3 of Twin, Twin Talk, Talk MN. I'm Ryan. And I'm Andrew. And today, we have a great episode. The All-Stars were announced for the Western Conference in the NBA and the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Spring training and the MLB has definitely gone underway. And spring training games start today. Super exciting. Also, in the NFL, every single week, it feels like, well, there's been so much trade rumors. There can't be more next week. But again, there is more than last week. We'll definitely break all that down. I have a great story about a crazy athlete, and Andrew has a great birthday about a great person. But let's jump right in. Andrew, let's jump right into the NBA. We've got the All-Stars, we got some entries, we've got Week Interview. Can you start to break down the All-Star reserves for us? We have Vine first. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. We all know what guys had to make this game. Nikola Vucevic, breakout center for the Orlando Magic. James Harden, amazing point guard slash shooting guard for the... Brooklyn Nets, who has just been on a tear, both of them this season. And some guys who maybe some people kind of surprised about. Zach Levine and Jalen Brown were both first-time All-Stars after breakout seasons, averaging over 20 points for the first time in each of their careers, having great seasons, happy that they get the first chance at the game. And Julius Randle, who is actually a pretty young player, will make his, I believe, first All-Star appearance as a member of the New York Knicks, putting up career highs in almost every single stat category, including 11 rebounds per game and almost 23 points. And Ben Simmons, who I have to say, I do not like this pick at all. I just feel like he is not having a good season. He is not an offensive player, which is basically the only reason why guys go to the All-Star game. And as few people may know, Kevin Durant was told that he will not be playing in the game or until the All-Star game because of a lower leg injury that hopefully is not very serious, but in a completely optional game, he has chosen to sit out the next three games and the All-Star game. And the last reserve was Jason Tatum. And because of Kevin Durant's absence, he will be moved into the starting lineup. So to replace Jason Tatum, it was Jimmy Butler. He was asked if he would join the team, and he obviously said no. Yeah, he said no. Later, when asked why not, he said that he um, asked the All-Star Committee if Bam Adebayo, his teammate, could also play in the game. And they said, no. The fans didn't vote for him. They voted for you. And he said, well, you either get both of us or you get neither of us. And they said, fine, then we'll take neither of you. So, they went to the next best guy, DeMonte Savanis, and he said, yes. But... We will talk about later in the podcast, more breaking down what Jimmy Butler thinks. So that means the reserves are Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Julius Vandal, Ben Simmons, Nikola Vucevic, and DeMonte Sabonis, and Jason Tatum was the reserve, but will now be starting. And now let us move on to the Western Conference. We already knew that LeBron James will be a captain, but joining him from the reserves in the West is obviously Damian Lillard. Everyone knew that. Some people thought that it was a snub he didn't start, but he definitely will get that backup job. And Paul George, who had a small injury early in the year, but he's just been amazing for that um, Clippers team this year and leading them to a great rec- record with Kawhi Leonard. And, surprisingly, in my opinion, the Utah Jazz have two All-Stars. Their amazing defensive center, Rudy Gobert, and their phenomenal leader point guard, Don Mitchell. Both these guys are having great, great seasons. Not so, sh- not so sure about Gobert making it, but Donovan... Definitely agree that's a great pick. And Zion Williamson really just had no other backup power forward in the Western Conference. So I feel like this 
don't love this, but he probably had to make it. So, I feel like that is an interesting decision. Now, the final guy is Chris Paul. Personally, I do not understand this whatsoever. He's a fine player, but he is too old to be in the All-Star game. So, don't really agree with that. And Anthony Davis will not play because of obviously his, I believe, calf strain. So, Devin Booker will replace him. Ryan, just quickly, do any guys come to mind that you think definitely should have made these All-Star reserves that didn't? Yeah, well, actually, a teammate from Zion Williamson... Brandon Ingram on the New Orleans Pelicans. In my opinion, Brandon Ingram is a much better player, and he could also play power forward. And personally, I think he is a dominant player. I definitely should have been taken over Zion's spot. But also, in the Eastern Conference, the Raptors. When you look at them, Fred Van Vliet, one of the most dominant players in the league. Kyle Lowry, really putting on a show this season. And Pascal Siakam, possibly the best mid-range shooter in the league. All three dominant players. Not a single one made the All-Stars. And as Andrew said, Ben Simmons, the guy who's never made an NBA three-pointer, the guy who is only pretty decent at defense, no, you can't put him in the All-Star game. Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, or Kyle Lowry. That's my opinion. But hopefully next year. Now, Andrew, let's move on to the NFL. But Andrew, first, can you tell us one more thing about the NBA? Well, yeah, Vine, over the past week, I just want to really quick look at the top teams in each conference in the West. It is still the Utah Jazz. They're about two or three games above the Lakers, who are just struggling, going 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games without Anthony Davis. And they're only one game above the fourth seed with the Phoenix Suns, really falling for the Lakers. And in the Eastern Conference, surprisingly, even with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant all having um, MVP caliber seasons, they're still not even the top team in the East behind the Philadelphia 76ers, who I have to say, I, I'm very surprised, but Joel Embiid is having a phenomenal season, and that doesn't surprise me as much. And, Ryan, real fast, you're not to answer this, but I feel like for the first pick in the All-Star um, starters draft, I feel like, I'm pretty sure it goes to LeBron James, I feel like if I was him... I definitely want to either play with Giannis Antetokounmpo, just an amazing player, in my opinion, the top player in the league, or maybe Kyrie Irving, his whole teammate, or maybe even Stephen Curry, since they've basically never played together. But Ryan, let's move on to the NFL. As you said, there's so many trade rumors, especially around quarterbacks. We know that Carson Wentz was traded last week to the Indianapolis Colts, but things do not stop there. Deshaun Watson, we know that rumors have been swirling and swirling and just never been signed. But Ryan, he... Still wasn't signed. Apparently, he met with their new coach, um, new GM, um, David Cully, and he said, we will not trade you. And, and Sean said, I don't care what you say. I do not want to play, and I want to be traded. Ryan, do you kind of believe the management now that they won't trade Deshaun? Personally, I feel like right now, this is just kind of a betting piece, and they're really trying to use the only leverage they have of he is not a free agent yet. He has not made millions and millions of dollars yet. He needs them to trade him or to give him a ton of money. If the team doesn't do either of those things, luckily for them, they have a little bit of the upper hand. Now, obviously, Deshaun can just shut this whole thing down and say, I'm not going to play until you trade me. And then just like with James Harden or what could have happened with James Harden, he'll probably be traded a couple of days or weeks later as he is really this team's only decent player. But if Deshaun says, fine, I'll play, but please trade me, I'm guessing they won't trade him. I mean, just the incredible haul they would have to get for him 
just isn't even imaginable. Imagine if Tom Brady, after seven years in his career, three Super Bowls, five appearances, says, hey, I want to be traded. You would be out of your mind training, and you never get anything close to in return. I feel like that is exactly the same with Deshaun Watson. He's not the best player of all time, but he's so young that he might be. But Andrew, let's move on to another huge quarterback with tons of trade rumors swirling. Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. Now, obviously, this is different. Does the team really, really want to trade him? No. Does Russell Wilson really want, really want to get traded? No. But is there a little bit part of both that kind of would like to see it? Yes. Andrew, can you just break down a little bit of what's going on around Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks? We have had last week we were recording a podcast. There was just some news that the Seahawks may look for some trades. But I personally felt like that would never happen. Almost every single offseason, there's some, oh, Russell Wilson, oh, he's going here, he's going there. He will be cut or whatever. But just never happens, in my opinion, by now. Rumors are really starting to heat up. And Russ actually announced the four teams that he would be open and going to. Those are the Oakland Raiders, the New Orleans Saints, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Chicago Bears. You may not know this, but basically, Russell Wilson really wants a good team with a good offensive line. The Seahawks have a decent team, but their offensive line is terrible, resulting in so many sacks on Russell Wilson, which I think he just will not take another season. I do, however, think that he won't get traded, at least within the coming week. So, we'll talk more about this next week. But, wow, the rumors are really, really heating up. Ryan, quickly, let's get to the MLB. As you said, spring training games start today. But, there'll probably only be about maybe five, maximum seven innings. Pitchers only going about one inning. So, won't be that big. But, Ryan, let's talk about the season itself. Ryan, for the MVP. Obviously, the top player. Can you give me one guy who is guaranteed to finish top five and maybe a dark horse? Yeah, I mean, right now, when we look at MVP, I believe that it's between currently four guys. The front runner, in my opinion, who's always, every year, probably for the past 10 years, has been a safe bet for MVP. And I'm guessing you know who I'm talking about, Mike Trout. Season after season, year after year, he's a dominant player, always been a top player in the league, but not always won the MVP. It's normally been young players of recently, but one that I really want to look at is obviously Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. Last year, crazy good season, obviously very, very short, but he was really, really good. Now, two other guys that are very young, but might play their way into that conversation, two incredible shortstops, Trey Turner, shortstop for the Washington Nationals, and obviously Fernando Tatis, 14-year deal, could have a decent chance to win MVP, but obviously, we'll have to see what happens. Now, a dark horse that I think might win, but I don't really know. Might, I might just have to go with Christian Yelich. I mean, I know it seems crazy after a terrible season last year, but I mean, people keep on saying that this year, players, hitters will do much, much, much better. All hitters should have much, much better seasons than last year. And two years ago, he almost won MVP, and last year, she was absolutely terrible. Obviously, we know last year isn't the norm, but is two years the norm? We really don't know. We'll definitely have to watch that. Andrew, I know a lot of our fans don't really know a lot of MLB rookies, and it's really, really tough just because, obviously, in the NBA and NFL, you come out of college, and you're one of the top picks. Boom, you're right onto the team. Maybe in NBA, you might even start. But in baseball, you get drafted as the number one pick. Three years later, you might be on an MLB roster. 
So this is really tough for MLB fans to know rookies. So Andrew, can you just fill us in on a couple of rookies, their position, and their team in the MLB for the upcoming season? We have on the first guy I want to highlight. His name is Wander Franco. He is a shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays, who do have a starter named Willie Adamas, who is probably still better, but Franco could overtake him soon, very soon, once the season starts. Another top prospect is Detroit Tigers first baseman Spencer Torkelson. Many remember that they still have the great first baseman Miguel Cabrera, but he may end his career very soon, so Torkelson has a very easy path to playing time. Some other great guys are Jeter Downs, who came over in that Mookie Betts deal to the um, Boston Red Sox, who is looking like a phenomenal prospect, and Mackenzie Gore, who's looking like a top 10 prospect starting pitcher for the San Diego Padres, who could be phenomenal for them if he gets a shot in that phenomenal rotation. Now, Ryan, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I saw that you did not mention this in the first part of our podcast, but you definitely should have in the NBA. One team, one amazing team, fired their coach. They said goodbye. It is over. And that team was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yep, we fired Ryan Saunders out of the blue. I remember going to bed one night, seeing him saying, you know what? We just can't get the job done. Just nothing's working. Next morning, I wake up, check my phone, and he's gone. Ryan Saunders has been fired. And we didn't say, eh, maybe we'll have an interim head coach. We'll see what happens. Nope, we immediately hired Chris Finch, who has been a longtime assistant coach for many different NBA teams and won G League um, and won the G League championship in, I, be- in, I believe, 2010. Ryan, can you tell me how Chris Finch has fitted in his in his first couple games with the Timberwolves and how he will fare later this season. Yeah, well, Andrew, something you forgot to mention is the three teams that he's been an assistant coach for. Let's talk about them. Andrew, let's start with the New Orleans Pelicans. And obviously, that was a couple of years ago. But for big NBA fans, you might remember their incredible center, Anthony Davis, easily one of the top centers in the league right now and maybe one of the best all time. The Utah Jazz a couple of years ago when they were developing Rudy Gobert, and as Andrew said earlier in the podcast, an all-star, possibly the best defensive player in the entire league. And last, and the team that he was on before the Tales was the Toronto Raptors. And obviously, you know, they've one of the best big men in the league, Pascal Siakam. All three of these big men were developed by Chris Finch, and obviously, the Timberwolves have Carl Anthony Towns, and obviously, Chris Finch will really try to help him. Andrew, what do you want to say? He was also on the Nuggets, which is why a lot of people, if you remember, they have possible MVP candidate Nikola Jokic. And Finch was there when Nikola Jokic was developing. And when he came, he said, you know what? You're going to be an assist man. No one has ever seen this before, but you are going to get assists as a big man. Triple, double threat every night. And you know what? Carl Anthony Towns has done the exact same thing. I wonder why. Carl Anthony Towns and his... Three games with Chris Finch, I believe, is averaging seven assists per game, which I believe that's a career high in its in itself for this season, or yeah, a season high. But current Towns right now has easily been the focal point of the offense. Now, Andrew, obviously, this is huge news, and after you tell us the second biggest news, I'll break this down a lot more. But Andrew, what can you tell us about the Timberwolves? Really, only good guard player right now besides Andrew Russell, who's injured. Ryan. Malik Beasley, as many people know, I believe about a month ago, we reported that he would serve on 120-day either house arrest or 
community service or something like that after the offseason. So really, we do not need to worry about it. Alex, Minnesota Timberwolves fans. But Ryan, just two, two days ago, the NBA announced they will be suspending Malik Beasley for 12 games based on what he did last offseason. I mean, to be honest, I really do not know exactly what happened, so I'm not going to talk about whether the punishment was good or not. But I'm sorry, I don't understand how a month later you announced this big of a suspension. Now, let's talk about the Tim Woods and not Malik Beasley. Without him, this is going to be a huge struggle. As Ryan did not mention, Chris Finch, he hasn't many coached that many good players, but he has been known to help shooters and bigs. Karate Towns, it's both of those, so that's great! But, who else do we have now that our top two shooters are both out? Basically, we have Anthony Edwards, who is not big or a shooter, but his driving has been phenomenal. Since Finch has arrived, he is averaging north of 20 points per game, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. I feel that like, with Beasley and D'Angelo Russell's absences, which will both be for over a month, Edwards should be phenomenal for us. But what I really want to see is him and Cap running a lot of pick and rolls, where basically Edwards and Cap both run to the basket, throwing the ball back and forth, confusing defenses. I feel like with both their athletic systems, especially Edwards in the lane, that could be a phenomenal tandem. Ryan, how have we done in our last three games with Chris Finch? I'm so excited. Anthony Owens is doing amazing. Carthy Towns is doing amazing. We got killing it in all three. Yes. Obviously, let's look at some things that Ryan Saunders did. What he did was he really tried to develop the young players and get our team to play a lot of defense and slow down games and really try to get the ball through everyone. Nobody got a ton of minutes, but nobody got no minutes. Also, we didn't really win like any games with them, but as we kept on saying for the past couple weeks, every single game was close. We lost 10 straight games, but none of them were by more than 10. We have won seven games this season. Five of them have been by less than 10. So many of our games are by such small margins. Obviously, gives us a chance to win, but we haven't been winning this. Finch, on the other hand, has just said, we are going to get wins. Finch really wants to keep his job, so he's just going to try to get us as many wins as possible and play as much offense as possible, play our best players as much as possible, and not really develop the youth exactly like Tom Thibodeau did, which obviously I was not a fan of. But in our past three games, Andrew, the Timberwolves have scored three of their highest point totals this entire season. Carl Anthony Towns, as you said before, is setting season highs in points, rebounds, and assists in each of his past three games. He has been playing insanely well because he's getting the ball every possession. Obviously, Anthony Edwards is playing extremely well. But, Andrew, one guy that I just want to finish up talking about the Timberwolves with is Jalen Noel. Dominant guard who has been playing crazy good this season off of the bench, but might even get some starting time. Andrew, is there anything you want to finish with about the Timberwolves? Well, yeah, Van, obviously, we really have not known who our starting power forward should be this season, but I feel like Chris Finch has really told us it will be Jared Vanderbilt. In the last couple games, he's putting up close to 7 points and 7 rebounds in every single game, which may not sound like much, but for him, it is. And I feel like if we can get that every single night from Jared Vanderbilt, that would be extremely extremely helpful. Also, Ricky Rubio has been doing a lot better since he's starting, but we just need to get more scores for him to pass to. But fine, let's move on to the Minnesota Twins, who I believe have their first game either today or tomorrow. I cannot wait for this. Obviously, I don't think it'll be on TV, and even if it is, I probably will only watch about five minutes. But, fine, let's talk about this season. Ryan, 
just name me what you're expecting from the Twins this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, every single season it feels like we have a great regular season. Set this type of record. Win the division. Have a dominant season. A bunch of guys having breakout seasons. Our team looks amazing. Get to the playoffs. Okay, last year we did terrible on the playoffs. But this year we've got such a good team. We're playing such a bad team. We have to do well. And we do even worse than the last year. We, every single year we just mess it all up. We give away all our hard work in the season. Again, I project that this year we will make the playoffs. Our division is really tough. The Chicago White Sox look like a really really good team, and I think we'll have a lot of fun games with them, so I strongly recommend watching games where we play them, but other than that, in the American League, I feel like really the only dominant teams are the Blue Jays are pretty solid. If the Yankees are healthy, they may be one of the most dangerous teams in the American League, but obviously that hasn't been true in four or five years. And also, we've got the Houston Astros and Oakland Athletics have always been decent, but I think the Twins could pretty easily be better than them. Now, Andrew, obviously, I think we can both agree the Twins have a fairly solid chance to make the playoffs. But can you just write down the postseason a little bit for us? I mean, what's going to happen? Can we finally get that elusive win? Well, yeah, in my opinion, a big thing in the playoffs, from what I've seen from other teams, is having elite hitters. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good, well-founded team. I love nine guys who will hit you 270 in 20 home runs. I love that. I adore that, and that is exactly what the Twins are. They have about seven or eight really good hitters who may either hit over 280 or 290 or may hit at least 20 home runs. But do we have any guy who's going to hit over 30? Anyone who's going to hit over 300? Yeah, I don't really think so. I feel like in the postseason, in so many situations, you're looking for one guy to step up. One guy to hit that clutch homer. One guy to stick the dagger. In the Twins? I'm sorry, but we just don't have that. Obviously, studying pitching is a big thing once you reach the playoffs. But, I just feel like we may have a good chance to win one game with Kentamaya. Maybe even two with Jose Brios. But then with just Michael Pineda as our third best starting pitcher. That's not terrible. But I just really don't see that we could win against these offensive powerhouses such as the Oakland A's, the Tamp or the Toronto Blue Jays, or even the New York Yankees, or definitely not the Chicago White Sox. And I just feel like it is going to be very challenging to win with a three, four, and five signing pitcher. We do have decent ones, but in my opinion, we need to sign a phenomenal hitter. Obviously, they usually aren't like big trades, like we give them our two top players for, like, Mike Trout or anything like that. But I feel like maybe this offseason, or if a star such as Trevor Story, or, I don't know, maybe, like, Pionzo or something becomes available for trade, we should definitely go after them. But what's different, our bullpen is rock solid, I feel like. Not saying that mostly our bullpen will blow games, but just having a great one in the place so your pitchers don't have to go that long is huge, huge, for any single team. Now, since we talk about that, let's move on to some college basketball. Vine, March Madness is just around the corner. By the next time we talk, we will most likely know at least a couple teams that will be solidifying their spots in the tournament. Vine, break me down what has been happening. 
yeah, well, Andrew, there hasn't been a ton of news in the past week around college basketball, but there's definitely been a couple of noteworthy things, so let's jump right in. Andrew, the, as you said, the season is winding down. March Madness is starting in about a, in about two and a half weeks. Iowa, Iowa gets knocked off by Michigan. Both teams were top 10 teams in the country. Obviously, whichever team wins will go up a ton in the rankings, but the one that loses, obviously they are playing a top team, so they wouldn't go down that much. So that's right, Michigan looks great. And Andrew, I know you might not know who this person is, but Io DeSumo from Illinois is injured badly, and he will probably be out for the rest of the season, and we'll have to see if he can play in March Madness, because if he can, that is a huge blow to Illinois. If you remember, every single time the Gophers play them, the Gophers are doing pretty well, but Illinois just has those two incredible players, I would assume, and Kofi Cockburn, who just demolish us. But if I would assume easily one of the top picks in the country, easily one of the top players in the country, is injured, we'll have to see what ends up happening there. Andrew, this morning on ESPN, they looked at who the number one seeds projected to be in the NCAA tournament. And Andrew, obviously we know, top team in basketball, the entire year has undoubtedly been Gonzaga. Now, Andrew, with the second and third teams, there has been a lot of drama. As I said, Michigan beat Iowa, so they are number two team in the country. But you might remember, Baylor was the number two team in the country, rolling this season, demolishing every team they played undefeated. But Andrew, last night, they played number 17 overall ranked Kansas. And lost! Baylor, the number two team in the country, lost to Kansas. They are no longer undefeated. They are now the third best team in the country and projected to be the third best number one seed in the tournament. Now, Andrew, Andrew another top, another number one seed, and the very last one is projected to be Ohio State by ESPN's Joe Lunardi. Now, when we look at number two seeds in the tournament, obviously, as I said, Illinois is one of the top teams in the country, led by Kofi Copper and Iodasimu. But as I said, they won't have Iodasimu, so I have to see how that goes. Number five, number six is Alabama who could be good. I don't really know a lot about them. Number seven is Villanova. Number eight is West Virginia. These are all projected teams to be in the tournament. But Andrew, by the next time we talk to you, we'll probably be breaking down a little bit more about the Big Ten tournament, SEC tournament, and ACT, ACC tournament. That's where all of the teams in those conferences will be playing in a big old tournament. Now, see, as I said with those top eight teams, Michigan in the Big Ten, best team possibly in the league. Ohio State, top five team in the nation, also in the Big Ten. Illinois, top five team in the nation, also in the Big Ten. All three of those teams will be squaring off. You also got Iowa, top ten team in the country. Indiana, one of the top. Wisconsin, one of the top. Gophers, fairly decent. Northwestern, great team. Maryland, great team. That Big Ten tournament should be nuts. We'll break that down more next week, but definitely I would watch some college basketball because it might be some small madness. But Andrew, Let's get to the Minnesota Golden Gophers basketball. As we said, every week it feels like more bad news. And again, we got more bad news. We have been playing so bad. Andrew, can you please break down the last week a little bit of the Gopher basketball? I know a couple of, I know last night we lost to Northwestern. The Gophers have been playing terrible recently. The chance that we even make the National College Tournament is getting a little bit slim. I mean, we don't know if we're going to make the tournament. This team is not playing well. As I said, in a week and a half, the Big Ten tournament starts. Andrew, obviously, as I said, top four teams in the country. 
or top four of the top teams in the country, Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, and Iowa, will be in that tournament. And as long as we don't get really upset by Wisconsin or Northwestern or Maryland early in the tournament, there's a very, very good chance that we will play one of those four teams. Now, Andrew, we beat Iowa once, and we beat Michigan once, but it was only... And we beat Ohio State. We've beaten three of the top four teams in the Big Ten tournament, but we've also lost to all of them at a different time, which obviously shows we probably are not the better team. But obviously, if we can pull one of those upsets, just one, we can beat Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, or Ohio State in the Big Ten tournament, we can solidify ourselves making the NCAA tournament and maybe not even the worst team in it. That'd be fun for a change. Let's go, Gophers. Hopefully this week we can rack up just a couple of wins to gain back a little bit of self-respect. But I definitely would not put it past them. And now I'm going to move on to my story. This is a story of, I'll just say, an athlete. His name is Ron Reed. Let me get started. He was born in Indiana in 1942. He was a very athletic kid and played football, basketball, and baseball very well at a high level. He decided to specialize in baseball and basketball in high school and was so good at baseball, he received a contract from the Kansas City Royals at just 18. He ended up deciding to turn him down and went to college at Notre Dame. He was an incredible basketball player, averaging around 17.7 rebounds per game in his junior year, which is crazy. This season in the NBA, the National Basketball Association, the leading rebounder is Clint Capella with only 14.1 per game. That's right, Ron Reed had more rebounds per game than the leading NBA rebounder. Obviously, nowhere near us playing against the same competition, but obviously insanely impressive. Also, he was averaging 3.6 blocks per game. Actually, no, that's not true. In 1965, he was selected by the Detroit Pistons, the NBA team, in the third round of the NBA draft. But also, he decided to play in the minor leagues in baseball just as a side job to earn some money since he was pretty good. In his first couple of NBA seasons, he didn't play very well and was barely playing. His coach, Dave DeButcher, who's one of the best players ever to play on the Pistons actually, played basketball and baseball when he was around Reed's age, and he helped Ron manage both at the same time. He helped Reed realize that he didn't want to play basketball anymore and wanted to pursue his baseball career. So after only three seasons in the NBA, barely playing at all, he decided to retire from the NBA and go to the MLB. Backing up to 1965, he was in single A, but the next season, he was so good, he jumped all the way to triple A. He was a great pitcher and got a call up to the Major League San Francisco Giants in September of 1966. He played fine in a couple of starts, and the next season started in Triple A again, as he did pretty well and got called up to the pros in September, where he pitched a couple of decent games, and that was in 1967. And the next season, obviously of 1968, he went to the Atlanta Braves and started pitching out of the bullpen, but quickly moved into the starting rotation and did great. He started with a 6-0 record and finished at the All-Star break with a great 8-4 record. And he made the All-Star game, which was incredible. In 1969, he had one of the best seasons of any player in league history. He won 18 games. That is crazy. He won over half of his starts. He had a crazy good season. He was absolutely dominant. 
He led his team to a great season and a career year. He played five more years for the Braves, playing pretty fine. The team was doing well with Hank Aaron, who was dominating, but Reed wasn't doing great. And his pitching record after five seasons was 49-66, and 66, which is fine, but obviously not great. He went to the Cardinals um, and had a pretty good season, but after that, he went to the Phillies, where he pitched for the next couple of years. But he was getting older, and his arm was definitely not at all what it used to be. He was 41 in 1982 and knew his career was almost over. And after an absolutely terrible season, he hung up the clates with a great career. So a guy drafted into the NBA, ended up pitching in the MLB World Series almost 20 years later. This guy is crazy good. Ron Reed, remember that name. Player for the Detroit Pistons, and then player for the Philadelphia Phillies, Atlanta Braves, San Francisco Giants, and Chicago White Sox. This guy is really crazy. Gotta love Ron Reed. Next week, I promise I will tell an amazing story that you do not want to miss. But, Andrew, let's move on to the birthday of the day. Who is it? Zion, today, the birthday of the day is Luka Doncic. Luka has been a phenomenal young star that everyone loves. Now, here is a funny story that gets a little sad at the end, but hopefully just leaves you with a good feeling. Back in 2019, when it wasn't covid there were tons of fans at the game. Luca was playing in a very tight game. And he went out of bounds so he could pass the ball. And he gets the ball from the referee. And he hears someone. He hears someone yelling. And he... What, thanks. That's not English. That's my native language. Which, to be honest, I forgot. And I don't want to mess up. And he then says, Wait, that person is like kind of yelling at me. Like they're yelling at me. So, he turns around. Ryan is telling me his native language is Slovenian, apparently. And then, he, and then he says, I felt something. Someone, like, pulling on my pants? And he's like, I turn around, expecting to see, like, a random fan. But I don't even know what. And I see the late, great Kobe Bryant sitting there laughing and just laughing at me. And I reach over, shake his hands, we share a laugh. And I remember, that's one of the best moments I've ever had with Kobe Bryant. As many people know, Kobe Bryant sadly passed away early of 2020. Luca remembers that was his last time seeing Kobe Bryant. But he says, for a last time, that seems like the best one that I could ever have. I will never forget that. And I just remember him smiling and laughing as he always was. Happy birthday, Luka Doncic. Keep on playing. And Ryan wants me to tell you about how almost every single game... At least for the last three games, before the game, he dances with his phenomenal big center, um, Boban Marjanovic, who is, I believe, like 7'6". It's very, very interesting, but he's just a fun-loving player. That's just who he is. That was just Luka Doncic. Also, in funny news, t- tomorrow, which obviously is technically March 1st, but in a leap year, it would be February 29th, there is a very famous athlete who was born on a leap year on February 29th, and that is... Eric Kendrick, linebacker for the Minnesota Vikings. So technically, he was born in 1992. So that would make him, if tomorrow was a leap year, I believe 29, if my math is correct. But really, he'd be 7 and 1 fourth with his young, which I would be double his age. So that's pretty weird. But happy birthday to Eric Kendricks, even though it's not technically his birthday. Now, Ryan, let's get to the rundown. In very sad news. Very early in the week, Tiger Woods got into a very scary car crash. Luckily, he is in stable condition. He is alive. 
and he did have severe leg in injuries, but after multiple successful surgeries, he is doing better. He has said that he is not thinking about the rest of his golf career at the moment. He's just thinking about recovery and making sure that he is okay. Also, Andrew Angel, star first baseman, who's possibly one of the best first basemans in MLB history, Albert Pujols, was asked, obviously, as many people know, he is getting very old right now. I believe he's into his 40s and really has not been a dominant player for many, many years, but when was asked when he thought about retiring, he said, well, I'm not thinking about that right now, but obviously I know my time is drawing near, and I will continue to think about it throughout the next couple of months. Yeah, Ryan, also in, in at spring training, Mike Trout mentioned to his coach, he said, last year, I had a terrible year. This year, I promise to do better. If you may remember, Trout last year finished, as I believe, third in home runs, first in RBIs, and maybe fifth in runs, top five in average, and was a top five finisher in MVP voting. And that tastes terrible. I'm very excited to see what Mike Trout does this year. And that will conclude the rest of our rundown and our podcast. But remember, the Timberwolves fired their coach. And Jimmy Butler stayed loyal. And you can always play two sports at all time, at one time. And love the Twins because we are starting today. The MLB Spring Training is starting today. Won't be any game, real games for a month, but it's so exciting. Next week, we'll break down what has been going on at spring training next week on Twin Talk MN.